Good morning. Happy Friday. You guys want to know what I did? <laughs> I normally do this at 9 a.m. on Fridays, with the exception of last week because it was a holiday. And anyway, so I um, I was down here around 8.30ish and I um, was ready. I was ready to go. And um, then I realized that I scheduled it for 10, which was totally accidental, but I went with it. I went with it and I have accomplished, I've accomplished much this morning. So can I get some applause? Thank you. I did. I did things. <laughs> I'm teasing. You don't have to give me applause. That's just me looking for attention. Good morning, Kalita. Good morning, Lisa. Hello, Vince. Oh, you guys, I'm excited. I'm excited about... Listen, it's a mixture. I'll be honest. It's a mixture of excitement. Thank you. You guys are the kindest people on the planet. Um, I'm excited. And I don't know what the right word is. I'm not scared. It's not fear. I don't know what the right word is. Um, it's it's excitement, but it also feels like, oh, it's the unknown. It, it is a little bit of fear, but maybe not like fear that traps you. Anyway, for this next year, I think that I think we're we're in for some exciting days, and um, like I I titled this super cliche. Ha! Um, what does it mean that when people say you know you must show up to go up? And um, I used to sell Mary Kay, and they would say that all the time. It was like the phrase that was said to try and motivate people. You've got to show up to go up. They really just wanted you to come to their weekly meetings. That's not what I'm. That's not what I'm getting at here. We have to show up for our lives in order to stand tall, right? That's what I'm talking about is when we continue to play the yo-yo game of I'm here, I'm not, I'm here, I'm not. We're not getting anywhere. We're stuck. We're stuck in, in a holding pattern of that, that honestly fear is producing. Yesterday, I shared a post about choosing and pulled from Joshua chapter 24, where God just plainly says, choose today who you will serve. And it occurs to me that there is a, a plethora of, of choices that we think are, are valid choices that are before us. And the truth is, is there's God and there's not God, right? And, and we have to choose rightly who it is that we're going to serve. Why are we showing up? Are we showing up for us? Are we self-serving? Are we showing up to please man? That's the fear of man, right? And I know that there's a little bit of fear of man in all of us because we care way too much what everyone thinks. Here's what I know. In this next year, we have to get over that. We do. Because where we're going, that will cripple us. That will hold us back from accomplishing all that God has set out for us to accomplish. So show up right? Like let's learn to show up for ourselves. How do we do that? We, we're so accustomed to showing up and, and just going through the motions. How do we show up in real form in, in a, a space where we're capable of actually moving and, and pulling ourselves out of, of inaction? Anybody struggle with inaction? Like I know what it is that, that God says is true of me. I, I even know the calling on my life, but I don't know how to keep myself motivated to keep going. I, I lack resiliency. Anyone there? 
steps at anyone. Let's just be honest here because the thing is, is like the first step is admitting it. It's not really funny, but it made me giggle inside. So anyway, <laughs> we have to we have to have some, some resiliency because the truth is, is showing up one time isn't all that is required of you. You have to show up again and again and again and again. And I'm not talking about just showing up and being present. I am talking about you are bringing something to the table. I can count on you when you walk into the room. You know what I'm saying? And I am not speaking in terms of Sunday morning or just church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you go to the grocery store, you walk through those doors knowing who you are and what you are armed with. What do you bring? What 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 can Walmart count on when you're in the store? I'm being serious. I don't know why I have the giggles, but I'm being serious. Like, what can Walmart count on? What about Dylan's? I don't know where you shop. Aldi? What can Aldi count on because you are there? What about the doctor's office? What can the doctor's office count on because you entered the room? See, these are all things that we have to, we have to, we have to come to a conclusion of who we are and what it is that we bring to the table. I want you to come to the conclusion of who you are and what you to bring to the table for my benefit. Listen, the scripture tells us that iron sharpens iron. God has put us in one another's lives for a purpose because there is a sharpening that takes place. There's something that you carry that is supposed to benefit or shave off something in my life. Hi, honey. Yes, Kalita, what can the store where you shop count on? Because it matters. Wherever we go, we are bringing substance with us. We might as well become mindful of what that actually is. I am absolutely fascinated with Joshua right now. I have never been fascinated with the book of Joshua or even Joshua's life. Never. It's a new thing. It's a new thing for me and, um, and everything. Like I can't even like start to read it without being like just pierced through. Does that ever happen to you guys? You start reading like words in your Bible and you're like, that just gripped me. Anyone give me some thumbs up if that's you. Hey, listen, people, you know, I need interaction. Come on. It's been a long week. Let's have some interaction. You're doing great. Anyway, let's, um, speaking of Joshua, we're going to read a little bit about Joshua's life after they crossed over the Jordan, right? Like that wasn't the end of the story. There was so much more beyond that. And there is you guys, gosh, best friends ever. Um, <laughs> but first, before we start reading, I want to talk about Joshua. Let's talk about Joshua and Moses. Joshua required something of himself, right? Do you think it's just happenstance that he was everywhere that Moses was? It wasn't. Joshua required something of himself. Are you requiring something of yourself? You have to. If you want to be the one that shows up to go up, to go up you have to require something of yourself. Joshua required that 
like that he put a demand on his life. We need to get a little bit serious here. Joshua put a demand on his life that I will be everywhere that the presence of God is. <laughs> right. Kalita, that's funny. Funny and not funny. Um, so we, we, we find stories throughout Moses's writings of Joshua being right there. He wasn't allowed to be in the tent of meetings, but guess where he found himself? You could count on Joshua being as close to the presence as he could get because he required something of himself. He would wake every day and be like, okay, how do I get as close to the presence as possible? Is that you? Are you one who wakes up every morning and thinks to himself, how can I get as close to God's presence as possible? The truth is that we are now the ark, right? We are now the tent of meeting. Like his presence dwells richly in here. What we need to be asking ourselves is who right now? I know that we all exude presence. I know this. We are all carriers, but we need to be asking ourselves serious questions like, whose space can I be in right now that my life is going to benefit from being where there is there is presence pouring out of this person? That's what Joshua did. That's what Joshua did. And we hear stories of, of the greats, like Smith Wigglesworth, who was Lester Summerall, would do anything to be in his presence Lester Summerall would go and just sit so he could be in Smith's presence while he prayed. Guys, you have to put a demand on your life. What do you want? Is God's presence everything to you? You've got to get in his presence. We've got it. We've got to get a little more serious about this. And I realize that, you know, it, it may seem like you don't have the opportunity or I've played that game too. Listen, I spent 20 years of my life wishing and hoping, and that didn't really get me anywhere. Don't let your life be about wishing and hoping. Get in the presence, put a demand on your life. What are you about? That's a big question. What are you about? What can I count on? What can you count on? If you do not have a plan for your life, your life will create a plan for you and it will be your demise. Let's just be serious. Know what is expected of you. Put a demand on it. Yes? Okay, I know that this is probably sharp, but is this helpful? Like, is this, is this actually encouraging you, spurring you on? Because I feel like that's my job right now is not to be sweet and nice and kind and be like, mm, it'll be all right, honey. It's not going to be all right. Put a demand on your life. Okay. Okay. Now give me some hearts because you love me and you love yourself. Dang it. Okay. Let's get into scripture. We're going to start in Joshua six. Thank you. Cheers to that. Yeah, guys, we just have to know who we are above all else. Here's the thing is like for the majority of us, we are in a, a prophetic rich environment on a regular basis. And I think that we have um, become coddled by that a little bit to where we're like, it'll be all right because eventually there'll be another word to come along and get me off my butt. Is that you? 
we can't play that game anymore. There's no more time for that. Like get in the game. You know what the calling is on your life. Let's go. Like, why are we playing around? Choose. You're either going to be self-serving or you're going to be God-serving. Which is it? Okay. We're actually starting in Joshua 5. 5 verse 13. I absolutely freaking love this. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw standing in front of him a man holding a drawn sword. Whoa. Now, it it seems as if there's been a little bit of argument as to whether this is um, a vision that he's having or if this was real life. Now, Brian Simmons just very plainly says this was not a vision. This was real life. I tend to agree with him. Hold on, before we go any further, it's probably important to know that after they crossed the Jordan and just before this story, um, all of the men of Israel had to be recircumcised. Yep, grown men, circumcised. Crazy, crazy, crazy story. So anyway, all the men are recovery. <laughs> Again, I don't know why that's funny. Um. Okay, so he's, he looks up and saw standing in front of him a man holding a drawn sword. Exactly, Vince, exactly. I mean, I don't have a clue, but I would think, ouch. Um, Joshua approached him and said, are you on our side or on our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have not come to take sides, but to take charge. Guys, that's good. He looks up, sees a man with a sword in his hand. And his first question is, are you on our side or on our enemies? And and the man simply says, I have not come to take sides, but to take charge. Gosh, I love that. Are you in a position where you can um, have that kind of encounter uh, with a man holding a sword? Are you in a position for that? Ask yourself. See, Joshua is in a position because he showed up. He showed up in fullness. He was always where the presence was. So when the presence manifested himself physically, he rightly responded to the presence in flesh. Shoot! I've not come to take sides, but to take charge. I am the commander of Yahweh's armies. At once, Joshua threw himself face down to the ground and worshiped. And he said to him, I will do whatever you command, my Lord. The commander of Yahweh's army said to Joshua, remove your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. And Joshua obeyed. Okay, now this story is very similar to the story of Moses at the burning bush, right? Where he encounters the presence, but the presence isn't manifested at the burning bush quite like this. Joshua was afforded the opportunity to be in the manifested physical presence of the Lord Jesus Christ because he chose the presence daily. This is so good. This is so good. He rightly responds. We know this is not an angel because had it just been an angel, the angel would have corrected him and said, no, stand up. You don't worship me because we see them doing this over and over throughout biblical stories. 
this is Jesus. The man standing there with the sword is Jesus. The leader of Yahweh's army is Jesus. Crazy. It's crazy. This is a crazy story. This is Jesus leading him into battle. You guys, we can't make this stuff up. Are you positioned, postured to show up and have this kind of encounter and recognize it? You guys, I think we miss out on so much because we are not ready. We have not prepared ourselves to be ready to encounter this kind of thing. And the truth is the kingdom is all around you right now. There could be something waiting for you to recognize, to see with your spiritual eyes, but you can't because you're too busy making up excuses. You are serving excuses. Choose. Who are you going to serve today? God or not God? God or your excuses? The presence or your excuses? You get, you get to choose. You get to choose. All right. Remove your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. And Joshua obeyed. Gosh. Are you in a position to obey? That's a really important question. You see, Moses and Joshua, they're in a position to obey. Joshua doesn't even question it. He doesn't even question it. He doesn't make up excuses for himself. We see that happening in scripture where they're like, wait, are you sure you got the right person? Joshua's like, I am the right person because I know who you are. Is that what is true of you? I'm the right person because I know who you are. I've been in your presence. I'm very familiar with you. Is that what's true of us? I think what's true of us is that we're more familiar with the power of our excuses than we are with the power of the Redeemer. You guys, we need to bench the excuses, right? Like, let's bench the excuses. Let's throw down. Listen, Jesus says that he will throw down every high thing that exalts itself against him. We have to be willing to do the same. Excuses that keep us from fulfilling the God dream on your life is a high thing that has to be cast down. Are you willing to do it, though? We're so familiar with our excuses that they comfort us. Who's the comforter? Ask yourself that. Who is the comforter? Based on truth, who is the comforter? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, the one who is dwelling richly inside of you, is the comforter. Yet you're choosing to be comforted by excuses, which, by the way, come from the liar. Need I go further? You know who the liar is. He's the one keeping you held hostage by all these ridiculous excuses. The truth of the matter is, is you are good enough. You are worthy. You have what it takes. Not because you're great, but because he's made you great. Not because you have the strength, because he's given you the strength. Because it's all a gift. It's all a gift. He even says, lean not on your own understanding. 
So we don't even have to have like this innate ability to understand what it is that he's calling us to do. The story goes on and it gets even weirder. It gets weird. The thing is, is like God calls us to do things and we are going to miss it over and over and over again because he does not give you a strategy that you're going to be able to boast in, that the world is going to be able to comprehend. He gives you a strategy that you're going to be able to develop truth or not truth, but trust from. Should I say that again? Because that was good. He's not going to give you a strategy that you're going to be able to boast in for the world's sake. He's going to give you a strategy that is going to build trust between you and him. Because what happens next is insane. Like no legit militant leader is going to buy into this strategy. It's nuts. But because of who it was that was delivering the strategy, Joshua's like, I know you. You are who I've put all of my trust in. You are who I have showed up for time and time and time again. You're the one whose presence I ache to be in. Like you are my daily bread. All right, we'll read on. Chapter six. Now the gates of Jericho, Jericho were bolted and barred because of the Israelites. No one could get in or out. Yahweh commanded Joshua, see I have given Jericho, its king, and mighty warriors into your hands. March around the city with all your men of war once a day for six days. See, I have given you Jericho, its kings and mighty warriors, into your hands. March around the city with all your men of war once a day for six days. Have seven priests carry shofars in front of the ark. On the seventh day, March around the city seven times with the priests blowing the shofars. When you hear the blare of the shofars, have all the people shout with a mighty shout of joy. Then the walls of the city will collapse before your eyes and your whole army must charge straight in. You guys, this is not, this is not a militant strategy. Vince, is this, is this a military strategy? We'll, we'll get, we'll get the word from the professional. This is not something that a general would hand down. Jesus does things in ways that we cannot conjure up on our own. He's building a strategy for trust, not something that you can boast in. And here's what we have done over and over and over. We keep reading stories like this and we try to replicate them rather than allowing the Lord to build a strategy of trust for us. We just keep pulling on our dang shofars and thinking that it's going to work the same. I mean, it's it's fun to try and, and do the same thing. It's fun to, to mimic what the Lord has already done. But do you think that he lacks creativity? Do you think that he, the wonderful counselor, lacks strategy? There's no end. There's no end. There is no end to his creativity. And if, if you need evidence, just look around you. Just look around you. Look all around you. Look at the details surrounding you. He does not lack creativity. 
the reason why I want to bring this up is because I know that where we're going, it's not going to look familiar to us. And we will miss it if we demand that it look the same. God said to me the other day, I was on my way down here. What was I on my way down here for? Maybe a meeting. And God said to me, he, he, he was sharing with me, um, uh, what is it? Proverbs 16, 18 or 18, 16, one of the two, where he says pride comes before the folly and G. And I was like, why are we talking about that? I was slightly offended that we were talking about pride and falling and destruction and all of that. And I was like, God, why do I need to know that? And he just simply said, honey, your heart wants to remain the same. You have a desire to, or actually is what, what it really was. It's not that I necessarily have a desire, but that to please those around me, I would prefer to redouble my efforts to make things look better than they do right now to stay the same, right? But what God is asking is that we shift into a new day, that we recognize the one standing there with the sword in his hand who's saying, I haven't come to take sides. I've come to take charge. Are we willing to follow him? That's a big question. It's like, are we willing to follow him when, even when it doesn't make sense? This is not going to make sense. When we, you reach into the faith realm, into the unseen realm, and begin to pull on all that God has for you, it is not going to look like anything you're familiar with. Do you think for Joshua to receive these orders of, okay, this is what you're going to do, buddy. Every day for six days, I want you to walk with your entire army around this place. And then on the seventh day, you're going to blast the shofars and the walls are going to come tumbling down. Do you think that made any sense to Joshua at all? You guys, we have to become those who are audacious enough to obey the word of the Lord, whether it makes sense to us or not. We need to become more familiar with his presence than we are with our excuses. That's just the bottom line. You can read the rest of the story yourself. It's quite fascinating. And if you do not have Joshua, Judges, and Ruth in the Passion Translation, it's really good. It really is. It's really, really good. Um, I do want to, um, I do want to go back to um, five, to, to chapter five, just before, um, just before the um, the appearance of the man with the sword. It says this, and I think this is so good. Guys, this is so good. I think that to, to go back through and, and read um, the book of Joshua, it gives me hope, you know? Like it, it, it builds hope in me. It builds courage in me. Um, but this is what it says. While encamped at Gilgal, not far from Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the feast of Passover in the evening of the 14th day of the month of Abib. The very next day, they ate for the first time food grown in Canaan, roasted grain and flatbread made without yeast. On that day, when they ate the produce of the land, the manna stopped falling from heaven. The Israelites never ate manna again, but that year they enjoyed the fruit of the land of Canaan. Wow. You guys, I'm ready to eat the fruit 
from the land of obedience. That's what got Joshua and all of Israel there. The reason why they were fed manna for 40 years on end was because they refused to shift mentally from slaves to freemen, from bondage to promised land, right? So they're fed manna out of the goodness of God. Don't get me wrong. I'm not slamming that. That's a goodness of God who would provide manna. But now they've crossed over the Jordan into freedom and they are for the first time. Some of these people, because it was 40 years, some of these people for the first time are eating food cultivated from the land. Come on. They're for the first time eating from the land of radical obedience. That's good. That's a good word. Guys, we need to take survey of self, ask ourselves what's important. Are we ready to follow the man who has manifested himself physically into the promised land, into the next day? Are we ready to be comforted by his presence, his command? his charge? Or are we still content with our excuses? I'll I'll tell you the truth. It's fear or faith. Those are the two options for this year. It's fear or faith. We're either going to move forward with him or we're left behind. I'm not saying that God doesn't love you if you choose excuses, but I am going to say that you're going to miss out on all the fun. Drop the excuses. And let's get going. Who's in? Write it in the comments. I'm in. And mean it. Even if you're like, I'm in, but I don't even know the next step. That's fine by me. Declare a thing. And see that it will come to pass. Being willing to be made willing is really just the first step. And then daily. Hi, Robin. I, I mean it. <laughs> I mean it too, Vince. I, um, I'll share this one last thing with you. We, um, Oh, Robin, it just pleases me to see your name on here. Um, I, on New Year's Eve, um, we did absolutely nothing. Nothing. And so I was like, I wonder if anybody else is doing absolutely nothing like me. And, um, and so just like on a whim throughout, Hey, if anybody wants to hop on zoom, um, we can have a zoom party. And, um, so I think there was like four of us on there and, oh my gosh, we had all the fun playing in the presence. We were, we were shutting doors on things that had no business being open. And then we were opening doors for a new day and, and releasing all of the, the beautiful, wonderful, good things that God has for us. And, and then we, we just took time to prophesy over, over one another. And I think it was Lisa, Lisa, you can say yes or no on this. Cause I really, I'm pretty sure it was you, but um, she saw a track um, with runners on it and they were doing a relay race and, um, and, and she was really focused on the baton and the handoff and, um, and saying that it was actually a torch that was being handed off. And she said that like all around the track, um, people were running and where everyone was like suited up and, and in this game, this 
whatever event. And, um, and I, I stopped paying attention quite honestly to all that she was saying with the exchange of the torch and whatnot in the relay and how that all was taking place because she had me at everyone was running. And even when I, I was sharing it with John a day or so later and like I was getting teary eyed because I was so moved by this. Listen, I am ready to be a part of a company of people that are running. Okay. That's what I want. I don't even care how many it is. I just want to know that we're all running. We're all moving at the same pace together. So um, anyway, with that, I bless your Friday. May it be freaking fantastic. And ask yourself big questions today. What excuses need to die? What are the excuses? Maybe you don't even know how to identify the excuses that are ruling your life. You're not too busy. That's a big excuse, guys. You're not too busy. I don't have enough time. That's a, a big excuse. There actually is time. If you were doing the right things, you would have all the time in the world to accomplish the things that God has put before you. Sorry. It's just the truth. Let's get going. All right. So anyway, I bless your Friday. I bless your Saturday. And I will see most of you on Sunday morning. We are putting a little bit of a pause on the series that we were going to start. Um, it will be next weekend. So we'll start the series Kingdom Came on January 16th. This Sunday, we are going to get into what is radical obedience and what does that mean for us? And what does this next year look like? So we're just going to have a big old vision talk on Sunday and um, come ready. Listen, come prepared, bring something to the table. All right, guys, I love you very, very much. We'll see you soon.